are back with another episode of Oh Hey There. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Leo Luna. Leo, football is upon us. Even It's one more week. We're even closer. It's like you're looking at the finish line. You're dehydrated. You're almost there. And you have to have the mental fortitude to push through. Leo, how close are we? And how excited are you? We're almost there. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, it, you feel like you're going on vacation. You're just like counting down the weeks. You're just kept looking out the calendar. OK, how many like we're treating it as if it's payday. Am I right? Like we're just looking, counting down the days like, OK, right here. Can I last until then? Unfortunately, we do have to last until then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting exciting, you know just beat nfc north teams and you know call it a wrap let's do it but more so excited to see trey lance against the houston texans coming up this thursday this thursday and that's coming off of a game on saturday so yes the 49ers had a plan they didn't play any starters the vikings followed suit did the same thing so we got to watch a lot of people who are either going to be contributing uh rotationally backups or guys fighting for roster spots perfect place to start Vikings versus the 49ers. I guess the best thing to say is this team, everybody that was there walked away healthy. And that's the first thing that you want to see because there were 27 starters and 27 players not available. But give me some of your offensive standouts in this game, Leo. Yeah, offensive standout. I think he's going to continue to stand out, which will be Danny Gray. Um, this guy's just showing up. And it's not just... You know, let's run deep. We've seen him on a quick out on first down from um, Sutfeld coming into him. We've seen him run a dig route, uh, about like a 15-yard dig route over the middle of the field as well. Um, and then run across the field again to get the two-point conversion, hit the gritty, extra points. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll just go with another wide receiver in that and say Malik Turner. Like this guy, you, you mentioned fighting for roster spots. Uh, he's continuing to make plays at the wide receiver position uh, this preseason. But most importantly, what I found is when he forced a fumble on, on a punt coverage. So I, that's what I like to see out of Malik Turner, find a way to put yourself on this team, find a way to make the 53 and, and carve yourself a role, not, not just sit on the bench and he's carving himself a role. He's, he's been on special teams before with the Seahawks, with the Cowboys previously. And, He's looking like he could be, you know, a, a valuable asset for someone that's going to play special teams and wide receiver. Yeah, hear you on the Danny Gray thing. The gritty really pissed off the Vikings broadcast. Uh, that's I, that's how I was watching it. They said you're not going to come in here and do the gritty. It's like, come on, man. It's a preseason game. The entire league does it. Let's just cut that out. But yeah, Danny Gray has been impressing. I do like the point about Malik Turner because Malik Turner had a penalty on him. Kyle didn't look yep. very happy with that. And then for him to come right back and do that on the punt coverage that you talked about, I think it's going to be really hard. And I'm going to stand on this really hard for Malik Turner to not make this 53. And if you're not contributing in one way, you better be in another. So I think his experience, his special team experience, it's going to be hard to keep him off the 53. So my offensive standouts, it's really easy for me to do this. One is going to be Spencer Burford. And you would say, okay, all the starters weren't there. Well, why is Spencer, Spencer Burford playing? But it's good for him to get reps. I really do think that that's a good thing. He played very well, and and he looks the part. I think that it's great that he got the reps, but now he's fully entrenched. He's the right guard. Who's going to be there at right tackle? It was just in school. Wasn't so pretty. Burford was good, though. Burford was very good. And McKibbis uh, didn't play in this game. He's the one who will be playing Thursday. 
as Mike McGlinchey's not going to be playing, but Spencer Burford was somebody that I walked away after I watched the tape being very impressed. And then, of course, Jordan Mason. I mean, guys, how many times did I have to tell you after coming out of training camp practice, Jordan Mason, Jordan Mason, Jordan Mason, this is carrying over. And this is something that he's done whenever he's gotten reps. The thing is, you really can't go by how many reps you get. You can only take advantage of the reps you do get. And if he got two reps in practice, four reps, he made the most of it. And he led the team with six yards per carry. And you could say, yeah, it's against backups. That's fine. That's how he looks whenever he's on the field. It's going to be very hard. And I need an explanation from somebody if Jordan Mason does not make this roster. My, I guess my hot take is Jordan Mason will be on an NFL roster. I just hope it's the 49ers. Well, let me ask you this: in the in the Mexican community, we'll call we'll call this type of person our tocayo, which is yes. someone who you share the same name with, and you have one on the 49ers, Jason Poe. Mm-hmm. Man, what what'd you think of that? What what'd you take away from Jason Poe, man? He laid somebody out on a pull uh, from <laughs> left guard, and he got up and he was. I mean, that's that's who he is. I mean, short mm-hmm. in stature, short. But that's not a small man by any measure, man. He likes to get in there, and he's so low to the ground center of gravity. He is he is going to make this team, I think, as well, too. Speaking of Mexican community, very cool to see Alfredo Gutierrez get in this game, get the game ball after the game as well, too, get his first NFL action. That was awesome. Kyle put him, um, pulled him out and had him pull on a run play. He, you know, he got hands on the defender. Good to see Alfredo get out there, man. That was actually really cool. And I'm glad you reminded me of that with uh, the Takayo part. Yeah, um, but just just really quick on Jason Poe as well. Man, it, it, depending on how McKivitt's play, would it be that bad to put Burford, you know, maybe not this season. It seems a little too close to, to week one. And plus you got McGlinchey there anyways to be back soon. So, man, it's just like... Would it be worth putting Burford at, at right tackle and Jason Poe at right guard? Like, would this offensive line be better suit? Maybe. I mean, it's as it's of a right little now, late like, now. Yeah, it's right. like super late. You cannot do it right now, but it just makes me think. Down the line, though, maybe this is something that, you know, again, Mike McGlinchey is in a contract year. The 49ers have to figure out what they're going to do. Maybe that's a possibility, but it's it was really good to see him get in there because He's been very good when he was called upon as well, too. And I think that a lot of people are excited about him because they have visions of Shanahan and how he'll be able to use him with his versatility and everything as well, too. So defensive standouts. And I'm going to start this one, Leo. Two guys really stood out to me, man. Drake Jackson, who was unbelievable in his short time, and Charles Amenahue. And the... (laughs) This is the thing is everybody wants to know well, who's going to be the guy starting across from Bosa. I mean, it would be starter and name only. It'll probably be Ebukam, but it'll be a rotation. Again, you'll you'll start to see guys, fresh legs. Omenahue was great. Drake Jackson looks every bit the part. He actually looks like a first round pick. And the the plays that I'm I'm thinking of in my head, there was a failed stunt where he falls down, gets right back up, and he's right in Kellen Mond's face, forces the interception. That is the type of motor you need on top of the physical gifts that he has. And Charles Omenahue was a menace. He just was literally pushing guys straight back. I get it. Back up O-line. But if you go back to last year, he really heated up at the end of the year. And he even spoke about it in press conferences about understanding the defense, getting his feet wet, knowing more about it. So this looks like it's carrying over. 
I walked away super impressed with Omenihue and Drake Jackson. For sure. I'm I'm at the point seeing what Charles Omenihue did last season, seeing what he's doing in, in right now in the preseason. I'm like, why is he there? Like this guy belongs to not not have to suit up for these games and um, I think he earned that right based off what he did last season for the 49ers. And he's just way better than the offensive tackles that are trying to block him. And then Drake Jackson, what you said is key. He looks like a first round pick. And it's not like the 49ers stole him early in the second round. They got him late in that second round there. Um, he's looking like a first round pick athletic dude. I, I remember he, he dodged some uh, falling player after the game or not after the game, after the play. And he mm-hmm. does like a little flip, front flip. Uh, and I'm like, dude, like you're not supposed to be doing that, man. Like you're you're too athletic to be doing stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's one. Even with him, he's a second round pick, but he looks like he should not be suiting up for these games against the Viking second stringers. He's just that that very well talented. Um, I hate to piggyback on those two, but they definitely stand out to me. George Odom. I think he should get now it was in what they call baseball, a can of corn, his interception to where it was just right to him, but he he's making plays out there. Um, so I, I like to see what he's doing considering like they need to make a decision on who's going to start in place of Jimmy Ward come week one. And I think right now, Georgia Odom is winning that battle. We saw today in practice that he was uh, receiving the first team reps and, and um, what's his name was not, uh why am i working on the name tarvarius Moore. he he was he was working in the second unit so he's stepping up like malik turner like they're they're making plays on not just special teams and someone else that i would like to point out is quantrez knight Uh, fred warner has talked about him D'Amico ryans has talked about him he's played safety he's kind of lined up all over the field now i don't think he's gonna be someone that makes this initial roster but I think he's someone that's going to stick around with the 49ers. And, you know, some of those players that just don't jump on right away, but then they find their way on the team, kind of like a Juwan Jennings has, a Jamichael Hasty has, a Jeff Wilson Jr. has, and you get the narrative that I'm saying here. And I can see Quantrez Wright being, excuse me, not Wright, Knight being one of those guys. Um, not, uh, now, whether he'll be a starter in the future, who knows? But he is making plays around the line of the scrimmage at the safety position, and that's what you would like to see. Unfortunately for the Vikings, they didn't test this 49ers team too vertical. A lot of it seemed like flats, quick outs, things like that. Um, so we'll see what happens from there. But, yeah, Quantrez Knight is someone that I have my eye on moving forward. Yeah, and good call on George Odom taking the first uh, team reps. We're recording Monday night, and practice has already concluded. You guys are probably freaking out because of uh, certain reports. We're not going to get into that because then we'll just wind up talking about the same thing that we've been telling you guys the entire time. But, yeah, George Odom was out there with Tarverius Moore running with the two. So read into that as much as you want at this point. Thursday is the next game. They're going to have two practices, a day off, and then I believe they're they're headed right to Houston. So going to be interesting to see how this plays out. All right, it is time for the segment that is sweeping America, sweeping the nation, hot or cold. This one, we've got something that's a really hot topic on 49ers Twitter or just in 49ers land in general. I'm sure it's a hot topic on 49ers Facebook and 49ers MySpace, whatever else is out there. But <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> hot or Christ, cold, man. Leo. <laughs> hot or cold, Leo. Trey Sermon is on the roster bubble. Ooh. 
Man, you look at this running back room, I think that's what makes it hard to just be like, oh, like there's no way you can cut him. But it's like, come on, you got Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Trey Sermon, of course, Ty Davis Price, Jamichael Hasty, Jordan Mason. That's six running backs. You're going to have to get rid of two. And I'm not going to go through my preference, but if you're looking to count juice, uh, they've done four plus fullback. So total of five. Um, So right now, just running backs alone, not fullbacks. It's six. So they're going to have to cut down, you know, two players. I'm not going to give my preference right now. We we got another podcast to do that. I'm not going to do that here. But as of right now, if you're doing a power ranking of this running back position for the 49ers, you got to put you Trey Sermon at either five or six, man. Like that's just it is what it is. What what I'm seeing from Trey Sermon is that his toes are like, what is it? Pity patty. Like they're just like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. And I think it's more so of a confidence thing with Trey Sermon. I don't think it has anything to do with ability or vision, I think there's just like a real lack of confidence going on with Trey Sermon right now to where he has this little pitter-patter feet going on anytime he wants to, you know, make a cut, go to the outside or or do something. You just look at his feet, a little pitty-patter. I, I don't even think I'm saying that correctly, but you guys are know what I'm talking about. If you just watch Trey Sermon carry the football and it, he's the most inefficient running back on this team right now, like, like Jordan Mason is ahead of Trey Sermon right now. Ty Davis Price, even though there is some things that I can talk about to where it looks like he just wants to cut to the outside every single time, um, he's still making more plays than Trey Sermon right now. And Trey Sermon's he's had the opportunity. Like, we can't sit here and say it's lack of opportunity. No, he's getting opportunity in the preseason. Uh, It's just an interesting topic. But wait, I have to answer the question. I haven't done that yet. Hot mm-hmm. or cold? I'm going to say give me my iced coffee for right now. Mm-hmm. He's barely in year two. We don't know what's going to happen in the Texans game. We don't know what's going to happen in team practices as of yet. That has not been seen. So as of right now, three years left on his rookie deal. I'm going cold. Okay. I am going to say that I don't think he gets cut because of the injuries that are going on right now. Like, we don't know where Elijah Mitchell is at this point. He He's not practicing right now. We're going to talk about who is back because it is a large amount of, of impactful players for the 49ers. But I do want to throw this caveat out there. He was injured in the joint practices. He was walking off gingerly. They had to test it out. And sure, that may not be the cause of the things that you saw because he was doing the same things that he was doing when he was healthy. But I did want to throw that caveat there. And also, watching the tape back, there weren't many places for him to run. But, again, he's still not decisive. And you could say that about Ty Davis Price where they there was nowhere to run. But he found ways to finish. He found holes to get to. He just, again, looking indecisive. I just think that when you couple the draft capital, when you couple what's going on with backs that you trust and, and depth, um, I think it's going to be a hard sell to get him off this roster at this point. But... I will say that it's hot coffee that at least has to be discussed with Kyle. Like, like if we're talking about like on the bubble, I don't know if he's necessarily on the bubble, but I'm sure they've had internal conversations about what they think. So I know you shouldn't hold draft capital as a way to 
evaluate a player or hold on to a player. But I do think that it matters a little bit in this instance because if you cut Trey Sermon now, you're telling this fan base, we wasted a third-round pick. And for a team that drafted a punter in the fourth round, that's going to make me more mad than anything uh, just because <laughs> a third-round pick is not peanuts. That's not a fifth-round, sixth-round pick, you know. And, you know, they, I, I just think that we've got to see how this injury progresses. But, yes, not an impressive showing from him in this game. A lot of the same problems that we had with the way he was running were back. So, I mean, it's, it's at least hot that it's a discussion at this point. All right. Leo, hot or cold? Quarterback two competition? Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy? Uh, what were your thoughts before you give me uh, hot or cold on Brock Purdy's performance uh, in Minnesota? I I think Brock Purdy, you know, he, he did some things well. Obviously, on his first drive, he completed two third-down conversions, except, wait, Juwan Jennings dropped it, Trey Sermon dropped it. So, on the stat sheet, he didn't complete any. Uh, but it's just... He looked good. He looked good. Um, obviously, I don't think there's I'm going cold to give me the iced coffee again. Uh, let's see. I'll do a cold brew on this one with with some pumps of white chocolate mocha. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's like I, I think Sudfeld is still quarterback number two. But Purdy, he, he still has some growth. You, you did see him stand in the pocket for a little bit. Now there's other things that are contingent to that. It's not just as easy as one two three throw it every single time um but yeah it's like you you look at what it say the stat sheet after the game that only tells half the story you know you have dropped passes in there you have other things mixed in with it but brock purdy he looks good like for being mr relevant he's ahead of the curve for where he is as a seventh round pick nfl quarterback um i'm not going to go out there and say he's He's the best, you know, there in his rookie class. Like, I'm not going to go all, you know, straight cap on it, but. Oh, no, my did, God. Will, you, nice will you stand? Will you just stop riding the fence already and just already call him the greatest said, of all time? My goodness. No, 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 man. He's the greatest of all time from out of the quarterbacks from this 49ers draft class. Well, He's the best quarterback from this 49ers draft class. My goodness. All right. I said it. Yes, it's, he's the GOAT. It's, <laughs> yes, yes, it's cold. It's cold. You got to follow the money. That Nate, Sudfeld, that Nate Sudfeld contract was all you needed to hear at that point. And that's why the notion of hanging on to another quarterback or bringing somebody else on this roster. If you keep Brock Purdy on this active roster, which I don't believe they will, he'll be on the practice squad. You are going to have to cut an impact player on this defensive line or in this secondary yep. or in as a linebacker. I'm not doing that. For Brock Purdy. I am sorry. And for the same people that tell you pump your brakes, Trey Lance against backups, Brock Purdy against fourth stringers. Like, mm -hmm. he's fine. And I think that you saw some flashes. He's a good processor. I will give him that. Very much like Nick Mullins. If you need him to start a game, cool. Nick Mullins has got you. But if he has extended time, that stuff will get exposed, especially with more and more tape. I'll say this. It's... When the 49ers got the punt that we talked about, Malik Turner, that he forced a fumble. Brock Purdy was already in the game at that point. Did Shanahan ride with Brock Purdy or did Shanahan say, I need some points, man. Put in Sudfeld. So we know who Shanahan's QB2 is. And the nicest throw of the day by anybody 
was from Nate Sudfeld, and it landed incomplete. Across his body, moving left, he threw a beautiful ball to where only his wide receiver could get it, and it fell incomplete. But that was a tough throw, and I told you, you know, wake up, honey, new Sudfeld dart. Yes, it's a meme that Brad, Jordan, and I created while we were at camp because there were times when he threw the ball, and we were like, wow, he spun it better than Lance and Garoppolo that day. And that's Mm -hmm. what he does sometimes. He's not as bad as anybody makes him out to be, but he's also a backup quarterback. And ideally, you don't want either of these guys taking snaps. You don't want either of these guys playing because that's when backup quarterbacks get exposed. But as far as a backup, he's fine. Why? Or excuse me, tight end three competition. I think that's what we should be talking about. Tight end two is going to be Charlie Warner. Come, you know. Yep. Um. Once he's Tanner Hudson. Fully, yeah. Tyler Tanner Croft. Hudson. Well, Hudson, he looks nice too. Mm-hmm. But I think I think if I think if you're going. Tanner Hudson, someone you could hide on the practice squad team. Like, let's keep mm-hmm. it real. With mm-hmm. Tyler Croft, he's a veteran. Tyler Croft mm-hmm. looks better than Ross Dwelly. Like, it's not even close. I think Ross Dwelly's on the clock. And I think that that's what all these signings with tight end kind of told you about what they feel about him. I mean, it's just, it's time for you to contribute in some way. He's not a blocker. And if you're not catching passes now at this point, then what are we doing? So, yeah, I mean, I think that they've been telling you all offseason what they felt on Ross Dwelly. Now that... Is hot coffee that wraps up hot or cold? <laughs> but we got some roster updates, Leo. All of the injuries that we talked about, we actually came out of this Minnesota game with a hamstring injury to Austin Mack. I'm telling you right now, the hamstring injuries will not go away. But then Austin Mack was waived uh, as as an injured player. But we've got some some pretty impactful players coming back. Manuel Mosley was back at practice today. Eric Armstead was back at practice today. Dante Johnston was back at practice today. Everything's starting to trend in the right direction for week one. Leo, everybody's panicked about injuries, but I think they're forgetting that these timetables that Shanahan laid out for a lot of these guys, they're coming true. I mean, all we wanted was for them to get to week one. They've got one more preseason game and then 17 days off to heal up before this game. Leo, this team is getting healthy at the right time. And they need to. Um to me, the big one that I saw was Eric Armstead. Uh, he he is kind of like the unsung hero of this defense, especially that defense's praises. We've been singing the defense's praises, and Eric Armstead hasn't taken one snap. Exactly, exactly. Now you insert Eric Armstead, who may or may not be, depending where you lie, a top one hundred player in the NFL. Like that, that's the big one for me. He creates the pass rush from the interior line, like Kinlaw, he's nice, but he's no one you're going to bet on getting there in pass rushing situations. Kevin Givens, he's nice, but he's not necessarily a guy you're betting on in pass rushing situations from the inside. Eric Armstead is that guy as an interior pass rusher. So that one is huge to me considering his type of injury and to where he's going to start practicing this week when we know week one is still three weeks Three weeks away, I like it. Sign me up. Just thinking about that, like Eric Armstead hasn't been there, and all we've been talking about is his defense. And I did want to give a shout-out to Javon Kinlaw, who actually had a really nice sack in that game as well too, hit the gritty as well. But the <laughs> announcer didn't have anything to say about that one. Wonder why. Um, <laughs> but He's, He saw Steph's video of him freaking walking the field. With huge, oh, my God, ridiculous. Yeah, man. Absolute, uh, like chiseled out of concrete. But 
yeah, the, this is all coming together right now. They've got a lot of time before week one. So this could be, you know, again, we're going to talk about the Houston game on, on Thursday. But as of right now, everything is trending in the right direction. Emmanuel Mosley comes back today, has very good practice. He intercepts a pass, knocks a pass into Tadano Ufanga's hands. So he's he just mm-hmm. gets right back in there and he's he's out there working again. That's great. But the 49ers actually had a workout in Minnesota. And uh, shout out to Steph uh, Sanchez. She was the one who pointed it out. Now, from far away, when they're not wearing jerseys and you don't know who they are, you would not be able to tell who that is. But it was found out that it was Tashawn Gibson. Tashawn Gibson actually signed. Now, he's a safety. What I want to say before the actual analysis is the 49ers are going through a lot to make a revenge game happen for Tashawn Gibson because he was a former bear just for, just to, just to have him have a revenge game. You're like, you're going to these lengths to, to bring former him in Texan too. Oh, here you go. You are starting to see it back to back revenge games for Tashawn Gibson. My, <laughs> I love it, man. Um, but does this give you any concern about Jimmy Ward and, or is this just telling you that they need safety bodies and guys that can get through the rest of this because they do have to cut down from 85 to 80 by tomorrow, I believe. Um, to me, it's just getting another safety bodies in there. We've seen this team bring it, bring in veteran safeties, um, like haha Clinton Dix. Now I'm not going to do the, the Papa, you know, please don't haha when he intercepted that ball in the preseason. But yeah, we've seen them bring in veteran safeties before not make the initial roster. I would not be surprised if that's the same decision with Deshaun Gibson. Although he is someone that I did like at, as a safety, like four or five years ago. Uh, but it, it's, you look at, there's going to be four, four safeties to make this team and for him to come in this late, it's going to be extremely difficult. Like once again, Clinton Dix made an interception in last year's preseason and still didn't make the cut. Uh, so it's going to be really difficult for Gibson to make the roster here. Jimmy Ward, he's not going to go on the PUP list. He's not going to, Mm-mm. um, if it is, I, like protect the walls in my house because I'm going to want to punch through it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got Jimmy Ward, Hufunga, Odom, that fourth one. More. Is it going to be more Gibson? Is it going to be Dante Johnson? Johnson? Dante that Johnson. Took first team, he took first team reps today as well. Yep. to safety. Yep. Because he, when you look at the corner position, it's typically about six that make it. So you got Manuel Mosley, Charvarius Ward, Samuel Womack, Diamador Lenore, um, you got Ambry. Let's see, Burr is gonna make it. Um, you know, Ken Crawley, can he cut cut it out there? So you may be able to slide uh, Dante Johnson in at the corner position and keep a uh, Tarvarius more. So, yeah, I I just don't think it's enough time for Deshaun Gibson. But if he proves me wrong, cool. Like you know, go go do you. Could be insurance, could just be somebody that they trust on the back end, you know, for one game. You know, it's something that if you feel like you don't need Jimmy Ward in week one, you don't want to rush him. I like that idea as well, too. I think that you have a soft landing with the first two games where you don't necessarily need Jimmy Ward. Week three is really where you're going to need him. If it's, you know, it's the Denver Broncos, that's going to be a a big test. So uh, I wouldn't rush him. I think that you can win this game if uh, Gibson starts, if Odom starts, or if if Tarverus Moore starts across from Hufanga. So uh, speaking of Houston, I love that we we correlated uh, to Sean Gibson to two straight revenge games. This is why you guys <laughs> tune in for this, because revenge game is the only narrative that is tangible, something that you can actually put a finger to. Um, Thursday's game. What are we what are we looking for 
I mean, I, I'll give you the first thing. Uh, let's just get out of here healthy. Let's get everybody in. Get everybody out. But what do you want to see? This is the dress rehearsal for all intents and purposes for the 49ers. As much as I want to see Trey Lance just, you know, just being greedy here, uh, as little as Trey Lance as possible. I want to see one series of Trey Lance. That means everything went well. Just give me one series of Trey Lance. Everything went well. Get him out healthy. Um, Colton McKivitz, right tackle. Like, what version of you is going to show up? This is a Houston Texans matchup that you actually have some advantage against. So I, I want to see that. The offensive line, just the interior offensive line as well. There's not really much depth there. One dot, one guy goes down, you're in trouble. If Jake Brendel goes down, you might be in trouble at the center position because uh, Keaton Sutherland did not look too, too good this past weekend. So it's like, you know, offensive line, get some work in. I also want to see the corners get a little more challenged. Like I said, this Vikings game, a lot of it was underneath comeback routes, quick outs, you know, things like that. So um, hopefully the Houston Texans could could try a little more of a vertical vertical game, and I think that could help out uh, with these corners here. Defensive line, you already know what's up with that. Yeah, and I think the defense is fine. I don't think I really want to see anything from anybody. I just want to get everybody in and out. Um, I would like to see the offense establish something, maybe a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, um, because you are going to be off for 17 days. So it is important to build whatever momentum that you can on offense and show that you can put drives together. You can execute the offense to a certain degree. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan is not going to run anything that people are going to see during the season, but you do want to establish that. You do want to have the good vibes going, especially with so many new people on the offensive line. Colin McKibbins is going to start at right tackle. Right guard is going to be Spencer Burford, obviously. You want to see him and Brendel continue to establish that rapport. And I think that this is going to be the last chance for Trey Sermon to really make his case as to what he can do. So uh, it's it, I think it's more the offense that I want to see more than anything. You know what? I'm going to flip. Give me three drives by Trey Lance. You know why? Because we've seen teams go from week 16, bench the players because they already have their playoff spot solidified. They can't go up. They can't go down. Bench those players, come to the playoff game, and then they look completely flat, and that's the playoffs. So week one, you know, from preseason coming over, 17 days off. Yeah, you, you know what? I'll probably take three. You know what? Give me one more, four drives. Why not? And we are very close, very close, Leo, to not having to hear about training camp, completion percentage, numbers, anything like that anymore. And I want to leave, you know, wait, this is a pretty this is a pretty concise episode. I, I like this. It's a, it's We got to everything. We spoke on it. But I want to say something to 49ers fans. I've been on the side of completion percentage doesn't tell the story. I want to know what happened in the rep. Again, a completion doesn't mean a good rep. An incompletion doesn't mean a bad rep. But for the same 49er fans that I'm telling this to, I need you guys to stop overreacting to the good days as well. Because for every time that there's a bad report that comes out or three interceptions, well, Jimmy Garoppolo threw five, so it's okay. I don't care. But then when he goes 10 for 16 and they say he looked electric, you guys are like, ah, see, there it is. You know, the, again, if it, either none of it matters or all of it matters. Like, that, that's the thing is, is you cannot take victory laps on good practice reports while dismissing bad practice reports. Either you don't care about them at all or you're going to care about all of it 
And I promise you that I'm not in the boat of caring about them at all. True. It's like, yeah, 10, you know, 10 of 16, even hell, say 10 of 12. But how how much of that was beyond 10 yards? You know, like what were they working on in that practice? Um, There's just so much context that goes behind it. Me as, you know, as a fan, I'm going to want my quarterback to be around a 65 completion percent range um, in general. But that's during the that's during the freaking season. And you could be a Sam Bradford and have 70 percent completion percentage, but then just look terrible at the quarterback position. Like I could care less about completion percentage. That's just say my preference, 65 or so. But it's not the end all be all. Like that preference doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. I, I don't care if you're 50%, but yet you were unstoppable to the defense in the same time because that can be happened. Like Cam Newton, has he ever really had a completion percentage above 65? No, but were there seasons to where he was completely unstoppable, made you nervous about what the next play was going to be made? Hell yeah, he did. So it's like, you, I don't care about practice reps, dude, like completion percentage. It's the most irrelevant thing in the world to me. You know, it's cool. Like, I appreciate you guys logging it, posting it on Twitter. But, like, come on. I could care less. And, look, if I told you guys, and we'll end it right after this. If I told you guys in a game or a drive, Trey Lance went two for six. That's less than 50%, right? But. Two of them were drops or just missed, but one of them was a 60-yard completion and it got them down to the five, and the second one was a five-yard touchdown. Do you really care about two out of six if it results uh-huh. in a touchdown? That's what I'm talking right. about. Right. So I'll say this. It's like saying, hey, yo, I made 100 bucks." All right, cool. Like, you know, no context behind it. Wow, you made 100 bucks. You know, that's dope. But then it's like, I give you the context. Oh, I made a hundred bucks because I sold a full size Debo Samuel helmet for a hundred bucks. You'd be like, dude, you got, like you got robbed. Are you, what's wrong with you? Like, are you kidding me? Like, can you get it back and sell it to me for, you know, I'll give you 150. Like, you know, so context always helps the story. Yep, absolutely. So thank you guys for listening another great episode make sure you follow me on twitter at jason aponte 2103 you follow leo at leo luna 93 on on facebook on twitter and instagram really cracking this uh closing out remember to rate review drop that five star review so we can read it on here download and subscribe wherever you get your audio podcast to niners nation for leo for jay we're out of here enjoy your football on thursday